This is the Wayne Ayers Podcast. The Wayne Ayers Podcast. Woohoo! Time to wake your ass up for a blessed day. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing today? Love I'm it. good. How are you? Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Um, congrats on getting married. That was, oh, that was thank nice. you so much. Yeah, you're you're from Bermuda, right? So that you did it back there. How yeah. was like? How was like seeing like all the family, everything, just being back there for your wedding? It was good, and you know, it was kind of crazy just because we were postponing for three years. You know, while the pandemic set our plans back. So um, it was cool to actually just do it, you know, after however long of planning and changing the plans and changing the plans again. And finally, we just got to see everyone and party. It was cool. No, that's amazing. Um, what's like your favorite thing about Bermuda? Because at least like a couple of my friends have gone, I haven't gone personally, but it looks like mad beautiful. Yeah, you need you to have, like, Is it like a favorite thing you like, man, when I get when I go back here, I just love to do this. Yeah, I mean, a million things, but I just love being on the water. Like the Bermuda, the water around Bermuda is so beautiful and the sand and the, the coral reefs and, you know, just snorkeling and going out on the boat and paddle boarding, kayaking. I just love it all. I love, I love being on the water. I'm such an ocean girl. Is there like a, a beach that people should go to if they go there? Well, yeah, I mean, we're famous for Horseshoe Beach. That's our, like, that's the beach. If you see a postcard, you're probably looking at Horseshoe Beach. It's massive and the rock, you know, the rocks along the edge of it. And it's just, it's stunning. It doesn't, it looks like a green screen. So that's the one I would say. Okay, that's nice. Do you, do you guys like ever get mad when people talk about the, I know there's like the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of felt bad because they just kind of just put it on y'all. It's like, yo, y'all don't have to do yeah. that. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think it's funny. And I never really, have, I think people, I, what what amuses me is that people like seem to think I like am in on some sort of, they just, they think I know. They think I'm like keeping the secret and like all the Bermudians are just kind of like keeping in the back pocket. And I'm always like, well, there's a bunch of theories. And I go all science mode and talk about methane and the compass and the, you know, um, I don't blame people though. I mean, that's what most people know because we're so small. And if you've never been there, you don't know where it is. And so fair enough. <laughs> no, yeah. I'd be hearing about like Bermuda, know the triangle and then they know about Atlantis and all this stuff. Yeah. Like, where do you guys come from? All, where do you guys get all this from? I know. <laughs> I mean, I, the theories are endless. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Um, I, I know you, I heard, I don't know if I read it or I heard about it. I heard you're a musician before you like transitioned to like musical and then to acting. But yeah. do you ever plan on going back to music? Yeah, I mean, I, my, my dream would be to be able to, you know, play some roles where I can bring in the music and just kind of interchange them a little bit. I don't have the intention to go um, do tours and be like a musician in that way. I don't think like I, I just love, I love acting so much. Uh, but I would love to tie it in. I mean, I was just playing piano earlier today. And I was like, man, I, I, ha- I don't do this enough. Like it was my life growing up when I was younger, I was playing the flute and piano and singing and um, always in some sort of band or practice. So um, I miss it a lot. And I would really like to be able to incorporate it a little more into my, um, my acting career. 
Would you like to do like somewhere something like a Broadway or like one like one of those movies like the West Side Story or like yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that? That would oh, be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean those are I think they're just they're, they look seem like so much fun. Um and I yeah, and broad Broadway's just excite me. Just even, you know, doing um stage theater again would be awesome. Um right now I'm so focused on film and TV, but it would be great to do something like a West Side story where, you know, it's kind of the mix of both. No, yeah. I I I know you also done modeling. I wanna know like what is like your least favorite out of like music, modeling, and acting? My least favorite. That's such a funny question. Um honestly, I really loved modeling in moments, um, because I love people and I love the creative process and, um, at its best, it was just like a really fun day dancing around, playing music, hanging out with cool humans, taking photos, being creative together. But a lot of the time it just felt like an office job where it was very repetitive and like, you know, people weren't that creatively fulfilled because it was still just a job where they were pleasing the person ahead of them. And, or above them. And so I think modeling, there definitely came to a point where I was feeling like I had maxed out on what I could do. And I could have taken it further, you know, if I wanted to travel and and really pursue it, I'm sure that that would have changed it up a bit. But for me, I always knew I wanted to act. So it just sort of felt like more of a stepping stone to the acting. That's good. So anybody that's thinking about modeling and being an actor or musician, if they're creative, just go with acting. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think you can go wrong. Like it's just different ways to express yourself. It's different ways to create and to collaborate with other people. And so I think it's whatever, whatever calls to you. Like I think if it brings you joy and you have fun doing it, that's going to come through. And that's really what matters. I know like, I feel like you're about to dabble. I know you got like, you're producing a movie and you got another movie that you're actually doing, but they're like two different and then it's different Mm -hmm. from Umbrella Academy. So it's like your genre bendering now. Like, is there like a favorite genre you have? I love it all. Honestly, like I love, I'm, I'm, I love like, kickboxing and working out and being really you know physical so I would love to do I did a film called escape the field that came out earlier this year that I got to kind of run around in a cornfield for a month and it was a pretty um physical role which was a lot of fun um I'd love to do more of that more of that kind of thing something that would really challenge me to transform my body that excites me a lot but I also really love comedy and um I'm writing a couple projects right now that are kind of in that dark comedy vein so um yeah I kind of just want to do it all I don't really ever want to pigeonhole myself no that's a I uh, before I go to the wrong uh wrong uh comedy my bad before I go to yeah. comedy how was like filming escape field I, I feel like were you guys just like out in the middle of nowhere yeah essentially I mean <laughs> it was pretty it was it was pretty fun like it was we had the whole cornfield to ourselves ourselves um it was this big maze, except during the day, it was, it was close to Halloween. There were all these kids kind of going through corn mazes. And so we'd hear like children's laughter in the distance. And at night you'd hear coyotes howling. And it, it definitely was pretty eerie. Like it wasn't that hard to pretend, you know, to be afraid and to feel lost in there. No, I can. The coyotes howling? No, I can do yeah, it. Yeah, it was definitely. <laughs> and it was cold. Like it was like, you know how it is, that, especially in um, the East Coast. Like once it starts turning that corner from summer into fall and you know those kind of like late October months like it's it gets a little chilly like I was running around in a tank top and a you know pair of um scrubs like it was not the warmest <laughs> costume to be in no I feel like me personally I'd, I'd probably like just hearing coyotes is you're in like a <laughs> you're maze out. like would, was there any like moments that you felt like spooked out like oh like 
things that you were hearing that were actually there or you know what I'm saying like you just yeah like, out, but <laughs> I mean there definitely were moments when it was night where you start to feel like you know it's three in the morning and you start to feel like you're going a little crazy and you're no, yeah you're kind of looking I'll around everyone's a little giddy and everyone's like sleep deprived and you're just like is this a dream like it's very bizarre like this is my job <laughs> No, the middle of the night. So speaking of, I know you just brought up the comedy. Like, what made yeah. you want to like just get started writing in comedy? Well, I just think there needs to be more comedy, and I think that um, you know that's the stuff that I enjoy doing the most. The first job I ever did was a comedy. It was Man Seeking Woman, and it was only um, it was only like an episode. It was like literally one of my first auditions, and I was so pumped that I booked it. And getting on set, with Jay Baruchel and Eric Andre, and they were so lovely to me. And it ended up into turning into two days of filming um, because of the day changing around. And I just got to like watch and learn and everyone just was laughing their butts off and improvising. And the energy was just so positive and creative and fun. And I was just like, man, I want to do more of this. I want to, I want to, you know, it's fun. Acting is fun no matter what the genre is, but obviously a drama where you're like crying your guts out all day is a different experience from something where you're improvising and you're all just kind of like jumping on each other and, and you're laughing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think, I think it's important to have both like the contrast. That's why I never really only want to get stuck in one, one area, but um, there's something really, really exciting about comedy to me. And, and, um, and also I just really love like, like, you know, what Phoebe Waller-Bridge is doing. Like, I don't know if you've seen Fleabag, like stuff like that is just, it sort of is a bunch of different genres in one and it's really brave like I think you know the idea of doing a comedy that's really irreverent and brave and bold and not afraid to to you know push the envelope that that's really cool to me I don't I feel like with comedy nowadays like it's just like everybody it seems like like the most attacked genre to me because it's Mm -hmm. like somebody pokes at something just to feel like offended when it wasn't intentionally to be like a totally. so, yeah. Yeah. So like how do you like think about that while writing? Like, okay, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I also want it to be funny because it's yeah. It's kinda think, hard. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think it always crosses your mind. And it's definitely we're in an age where like pe- things are getting called out, people are getting called out, which is I think a really positive thing in some ways, because you know, sometimes people need to be set set back and they need to be responsible and accountable for their words and their actions. Um, but I also think that the censoring of it can sometimes go too far the other way where creativity is kind of like stifled. So I guess it's finding that balance and being brave, you know, like it's, you're going to probably offend people and not, you know, Fleabag isn't for everyone. Like, I don't think uh, my parents wouldn't enjoy watching Fleabag because I think it's a little bit like generationally. I also think that we're we're changing with each generation and that's an aspect of it too is that certain shows will do better with some generations than others and you're never going to please everybody so I think it's just about like constantly checking in with what you what you feel is right for you as a creator so is it like is it more like if you can I don't know you can't really talk on it but is it is it more like like say like the office vibe feedback vibes and like okay I'm going down just like dark dark you know yeah I mean I'm right I'm working on a few things right now one of them is sort of that ensemble comedy like The Office like I think that there's something so funny about just seeing people living their daily lives and having everyone clash and just the different personalities and like how does how does this character um, bounce up against them or deal with this crisis or deal with this awkward situation um so there's one one 
um, comedy that I've written with a friend. And then there's another dark comedy that's more in the vein of like, you know, Fleabag meets Breaking Bad um, meets a flight attendant, you know, just kind of a, a bit grittier, a little bit darker, but still that through line of, of comedy. That's the stuff that really excites me. Oh, that's okay. I'm excited. I, there's also a project I saw. It was called All In. Uh, I think I saw IMDb. And yeah. it looked very interesting. I don't know if you can talk on it a little bit, but I was like, oh, this looked actually very interesting. Yeah. So that was actually um, a proof of concept that I did with a friend, a friend of mine, John Popolis. He's a director, writer, and he, um, he brought me into this project. They were doing a proof of concept. Um, it hasn't been made into a feature film yet. It was based on a short film. So that was really fun. That was like a week of shooting. And um, it was based on a book about a true life story, a girl who, you know, she was sex trafficked. Um, she just thought she was responding to um, a listing for a dancing position. She was a dancer um, from Eastern Europe and she ended up getting sucked into um, sex trafficking and being forced to work at a strip club. And so that was the character was, you know, she's turned to addiction and she feels really trapped and, um, and it was great. I mean, it was, a, it was, you know, like I said, it was only a week of filming, but that's something that I don't know if it ends up getting made. Um, I would love to continue with that character because it's a really compelling story. So is it, so is it like a short film or are you trying to push it for a feature film? Yeah. So that was a, that was a short film. I wasn't in the short film. I was part of the proof of concept, which was, um, essentially to, uh, to try to get funding for a feature film, which I think they're kind of, they're kind of in flux right now with that. You know how these projects go. Sometimes it takes, 10 years and the timing's off and then it, you know, they circle back and then the timing's right. And so, um, yeah, I, know. I think yeah. it took like squid games 15 years to be made. It's like, why? Oh, it's just so time. crazy when you, you know, and then it's out in the world and it's like, it was never not here. It's so huge for culture, but it's just crazy that the process, honestly, like now that I'm writing and producing, I just, it's a, it's a miracle that anything gets made with how many people are involved and how much needs to align. And it's fascinating. I also want to talk about that. I know you're producing more. Like, how is it important? Because I see, like, a lot of actors. Like, I feel like there's always been, like, everybody's always been producing it. But I feel like a lot of actors and actresses just really been on the producing game as, like, mm-hmm. late. But so, like, what made you, like, want to be, like, become a producer as well? Yeah, it's a really good question. Honestly, um, I, I think it's about control. Like, I, I think it's it's quite difficult to be an actor and, and come to set and pour your heart into your performance and you know put so much into building this character and the story and investing and then you don't really have any control once you once you walk off set you know the editing process the the final product is very much you know beyond your domain if you're not a producer and you're not involved in in the, the post production side of things so um that's the part that really excites me is like I am a bit of a control freak but in the sense that like I I know what I like and I um when I do pour my heart in I really care and so um yeah it just really appeals to me to get to be a part of it kind of from day one to the last day and and get to um have a hand in the overall scheme of things rather than just this the, the part of the acting so like, how does that like, like producing, like, how does it come about? Do you just like, Hey guys, I want to become a producer in this or like, is it like certain stipulations? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, uh, if you become a producer, you have to take less money and you get more money on the back end or like, how does that even work? Yeah. I mean, I think it's different every time, really. Like, I think it's a case by case basis. Um, I'm still very much learning about it. The, the projects that I've been involved in have just been me getting approached by either people who I'm already friends with in, in the industry or people who, you know, are mute, I have mutual contacts and um, bringing me on because I, I 
bring specific relationships and experience that serve the project or help it get to that next stage. Um, I think, you know, you'll see a project have many producers often and, and everybody, you know, some producers maybe are more on the creative side of it. Some are more the money side of it. Like relationships are huge. Just essentially like there's so many things that need to come together for projects to get made. And so it's, it's being able to kind of bridge all the people, you know, and, and make the right calls and, and um, be patient really. Cause it's, you know, it takes, it takes a while, especially for indie type of projects. Like it's, um, it's no small feat. I know like for indie projects, like how do you like say like for like upcoming filmmakers, they want to do like an indie project. Cause you know, they're not, they're not going to get the big, you know, I don't know how to say, uh, phrase it up, but like, they're not going to get like the big time production buckets or whatever. Yeah. So, like, if you're, yeah. so if you're, so like, if you're like an indie, like film, just someone that like, just, if I want to start an indie film, like how would I go about like, about that? Like, would I need like a lot of people on set or like, what do you, you know what I'm saying? My bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I think I know what you mean. I think, you know, I think what you're asking is, um, if you want to get into filmmaking, like what's the first step essentially? Yeah. Yeah. So I think obviously, um, having a script, having a concept that you've really, um, fully fleshed out, you know, you have a really strong sense of the characters, a strong sense of, um, what your vision is. And then just really finding the right people to be around, you know, whether it's a, a couple producing partners, you know, um, a lot of the time when a project I think is more of an independent, um, film or, or, um, whatever it may be, it helps to get at somebody who has a lot more experience involved and someone who's already kind of made a name for themselves because you unfortunately need someone to take a chance on you when you're starting out. You know, that's how it was when I booked my first jobs. Like I didn't have a resume, you know, you just keep building, you book that small role and then you book another small role and maybe that next small role turns into a slightly bigger role and then you book a slightly bigger role and, you know, it just kind of unfolds from there. So I think it's just surrounding yourselves with the right people and having a mentor is really huge. If you can find someone who's a few steps ahead of you just to, to be there for you. Cause it's, a, you know, there's no rule book, like everybody's path is quite different, but um, yeah, I think just getting, um, getting the right people involved and getting your script in the right hands or finding someone who's passionate about the project who can help you push it to the next step. I know you just mentioned mentor, like who, like who's like your mentor? I mean, it's so funny. Cause I, I have a bunch of different friends who like when I started acting, a friend of mine, Jessica Sipos, she's an actress, producer, writer as well. And um, we met at an audition. She's one of my best friends to this day. We met at an an audition for a commercial and we right away locked eyes and we're like, oh my God, like we need to be best friends. And we hit it off right away. And I've been doing modeling and I had my theater degree, but I was in Toronto and I didn't really know where to start with film and TV acting. I didn't know how to get an agent. I didn't even know which agents were good. Like I just felt really kind of out of my depth and she was so kind to me. And, um, she helped me, you know, uh, enroll in an acting class that she was in that really helped me grow and, and develop my, um, my craft. And then from there, I was able to get an agent. And I think sometimes it's just finding someone who has just been doing it a couple more years than you. And now, obviously, I've been doing it for almost 10 years. And we just kind of are there for each other and really good friends. But I mean, I don't, I think a mentor in the beginning is really just finding someone who if you look where you want to go, look at someone who's already kind of a few years ahead of you there. Are you mentoring anybody right now? Um, 
no one specific, just, you know, anytime I, 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 I've had quite a few people just reach out asking the same questions, like how do, how do I get into acting, you know, friends of friends or kids of friends or whatever it may be. And I'm always really excited and grateful for the opportunity to get to pass on the advice that I have and the wisdom that I've learned so far. And I'm still learning and I have a long way to go, but I, I get that it's really intimidating when you're starting and, you know, I feel like I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but I also am aware of the fact that five years ago, I would be really excited by where I am now. And so I think it's just um, celebrating, celebrating each, each step of the way. That's amazing. Um, okay. I, I had to ask you this because, you know, Umbrella Academy got renewed for season four. Mm-hmm. Is it, and then, you know, what, Umbrella Academy, anything can really just happen. Yep. So is there a possibility that you're returning for season four? I mean, I haven't been told no or yes. So yeah, I mean, I'd say there's a possibility. I think, I mean, honestly, I've loved being a part of the show the last three seasons. I would, I'm grateful for it regardless whether my character um, serves the story where they're going for season four or not. I'm just really happy to have been a part of it. Obviously, would love to come back. I love the show. It would be really cool to get to be part of that last chapter, but Either way, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what they're going to do regardless. So I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> How would you like to see the show end? Oh, man, I don't know. It's so tough. It's so tough to wrap these types of shows up because everybody just is so invested in them and, and the characters almost feel like family and you um, you see them go through the highs and the lows. And so, I mean, obviously, it's nice to have everyone have a happy ending um at the end of their journey but um you never really know are they gonna leave things open-ended like there's so many ways to go about these I hope everyone gets a happy ending I mean they've had a really I'd say they all have had a pretty tough go of it a lot of pain a lot of grief a lot of loss for Allison man like this past season she was going through it like I would hope to see I would hope to see her get to find love again or be with be with her her daughter again or you know I think um it would be nice to see everybody finally have some peace at the end of all of it. No, that, that's true. I would love to see that too. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm cool with the chaos too as well. You chaos know. is good. I mean, <laughs> you, need, you need a little chaos to offset the peace. I think a healthy balance. But if we can end on a peaceful note, that would probably be nice, I think. Is it? Do you have like a favorite scene from Umbrella Academy of yours? You're like, yo, this is like my scene right here. Like, I'm gonna, um, I have to show my friends this scene because, like, this is my scene. Yeah, I mean, there are a few. Have you you've seen the third season? I don't want to ruin. I mean, at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, 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 anyway, but, if you um, haven't, too bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had your chance. Um, I really loved the. I mean, I loved getting to play Grace this past season. I felt like it was just so out there, and it was a lot of fun for me. I really loved the speaking in tongues, um, scene. I felt that that scared the crap out of me. Um, you know, where I'm kind of just. Uh, adoring and worshiping the Kugelblitz. Those were really fun, all those scenes where she's just like completely besotted with this this thing that's appeared in the basement. And then back in season one, I had a first uh, a favorite scene that was with Allison and Luther when I'm making the pancakes. I don't know if you remember it, but I'm making the, the pancakes or no, I'm making eggs and bacon and a smiley face. And I was so bad at multitasking. Like I could not my lines and the cooking and then the plating the food and then the putting it down. And I like put frown faces in front of them by mistake. And it was like, you know, one, two in the morning and we were trying not to laugh and we got the giggles and then Tom couldn't get his lines out. And, and when I watched that scene, I'm like, that's one of my favorite scenes, like acting wise too. And it's, I think I was just so relaxed and it's such a lesson in and having fun and, and chilling out. 
Um, but it was also one of my favorite scenes to shoot because we just had a, a fun time and we were like children. No, yeah, I love it. I actually I have a fan question for you. Can I tell people I was interviewing yeah. you? Yeah. Uh, one of them was, I thought this was actually interesting because I didn't notice myself, but I was like, somebody said, um, they said some, uh, some, you know, uh, my bad. That's okay. <laughs> uh, many expressed there, uh, uh, there may be a plot hole having Grace in season three at the Grace is uh, in the Sparrow Academy since Victor wasn't present in that timeline and had not been scaring or not been scaring his nannies. What is your undertaking of why Grace created a timeline covered in season three? Oh man. Okay. So which scene is this? This is when, when Victor. Yeah. Because they're so, they're pretty much saying like if the if uh Victor oh because was I wasn't killer. right yeah. so 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 the reason that I was created in season one is because Victor was killing yeah, yeah, all yeah. the other nannies but since Victor didn't have to do that yeah. I see what you're saying yeah yeah I think I think that in season three the reason that he created me was simply to be a servant essentially. That's what um, I thought so, too. Yeah, season three, I'm obviously not a mother figure. There's no love there. There's no affection there. I'm literally just there to make them their food and clean up after them. And they don't see me with any sense of love. And, and you can feel that. So I think um in season one, I was created, you know, out of function because there needed to be a very durable <laughs> nanny. But uh, in, in season three, it was very much just a function of having um having a servant that was nice to look at, I think. Um, and also, I mean, I think, uh, if you look at Hargreaves and his sense of humor and his sensibility and in season two, the fact that, um, he was in love with a human that looked very much like this AI that he built, you could also argue that he just wanted to see her face around the house of some sort of reminder for him while also serving the role of, of a servant. I hope I answered that question for whoever. Yeah. yeah. I probably could have done that in a more concise way, but I think we got there. Oh, <laughs> uh, who do you, like, who do you think is Grace's favorite child? I mean, Diego, <laughs> like, I think if, if Grace wouldn't have a favorite, actually, because she's a perfect mother. So she perfect mother loves all of her children. Equally. You already said but Diego. <laughs> I did say Diego. And David, if you're listening, I'm sure you would you would stand by that, too. They do have a very special bond. They have a very, very sweet, special, beautiful bond. Which uh, which um, Umbrella Academy character do you think you're more like in real life? Like you personally. That you can relate um, to honestly I do feel like Grace in a lot of ways which is a weird thing to say I remember being like what does this say about me that I relate so much to this character that's not human I mean I think um I a lot of the time like growing up I felt very different like I didn't really fit in in high school that much and so there's something about Grace that I do feel like I really connect with which is just that feeling of just always being a little bit on the outside and and like wanting to wanting to belong um so I really relate to her I mean I think I also relate to Luther just because he's so goofy and like he's kind of a bit of a pardon the pun space cadet um and I definitely can be a bit of a, of a space cadet myself so maybe a mix a mix of Grace and Luther which is a weird thought but <laughs> I think you know what I mean I know I I know you like play like one of the like iconic robots like ever like if you yeah. could like put like another iconic robot in like season four of Umbrella Academy, which robot would you? Oh, I love Alicia Vikander's role in, in Ex Machina. I mean, although um, is it the Jetsons? That would be pretty funny. Yeah. Putting the, the one from the Jetsons in there, I feel like that would be a little bit of comic relief in the middle. Yeah, of I, was, I was thinking that in the robot from Futurama. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, 
That would be maybe you just get the three of them together. That would be a, that. I mean, that could be a show in and of itself. That you know, no, that would be that would be pretty together. <laughs> I know the Black Comedy had like what had comic books. Did you ever read them before like coming onto the show? I did read them before coming on the show. I hadn't read them when I booked the role, and then of course the first thing I did when I I booked it was to order all of them, tore through all of them, loved them. And then was like a million times more excited to do it. But I mean, it was such a gift to have them and to get to have a sense of the vision for the show even before we got going. And then obviously meeting Gabriel Ba and Gerard Way and being able to have them there on set when we got going and, and have their their um, presence with us throughout all three seasons, I think was just huge for us. Is there something from the comic books that you like would like to see put on the show if it's not too late? I mean, I think it's pretty fun that like my, my, my limbs were always just being removed and <laughs> that, that made me laugh when I first read it. I was like, I wonder if they're going to actually do that. And I mean, technically my limbs do kind of come off a couple of times, but, um, I loved that she just kind of didn't forgot to put them on in the, in the, in the very beginning of the first comic. I know, I know, like, I feel like, uh, actually it's just the truth, but, uh, Brilla Academy is like one of the like best Netflix shows they created. I want to know, like, if you could be, like, in another Netflix show, which show would you want to be in? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I'm going to go get my list. I mean, ugh, there's so many good ones. Um, I mean, I, it would, I, what came to mind for some reason was Ozark, but I don't know. I feel like that would be really intense and heavy. And, and I mean, I, I'm obsessed with Jason Bateman, so I probably I'll go with I'll go with that for now just because I think um, – I just think it's a brilliant show. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, a, a heavy one. <laughs> no, yeah, Ozark, Ozark, that show. Me personally, I would love to be a money heist. I just, just robbing yeah. banks and everything with the professor rolling with the, yeah, that'd be Oh, fun. yeah, that would be fun. It'd be no, a good that. I, honestly, there's so many. That's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm hooked. Like, I just love, and lately I've really gotten into all the true crime documentaries, all the different series, you know, about, murder i mean you know there's so many good ones right now and i think as a society we're pretty obsessed with learning about them but um i've been really into those lately too so like would you be interested in doing like a law and order or ncis something like that? oh yeah i mean that would be fun i love i love lawyery stuff i really love lawyery stuff i've been watching outlander lately too have you seen outlander I haven't seen. It. I heard a lot of good things, but I just I love it. Outlander. Actually, that would be a fun one to be in. I love historical fiction. That's just like when I read a book, it's nine times out of ten, it's historical fiction. There's something about all the different eras through history that really excites me. World War Two, especially, and yeah, that would be a fun one. Before I let you go, I want to know because you're doing producing, writing. Is there like a story that you really want to tell, like in the next, like say, five, ten years? Like, okay, I really want to. Do I want to star act? I mean, I want to star write and produce in this story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the thing I'm working on right now, and you know, um, it's still early days, but there's just I think we're at a really interesting time, and and everything's sort of being brought up to the surface, and I think still being a woman these days um, is really difficult. You know, like looking at the domestic violence, looking at um, the Me Too movement, which, you know, pe- women still being underpaid. Like there's, there's so many issues that to me, I look at that and I'm like, how is this still going on when we're aware of the issue? And so that what I'm working on right now is just sort of like, it's just about like, what if, 
a woman were to decide to like take change into her own hands and like take action and, and make the world wake up. And so I just, I don't know. I think I want to do things that push the envelope. I want to do things that, um, that make people think that make people, um, consider what they believe and consider, um, what they've been taught to believe. And, you know, I'm a really spiritual person. And, um, I think that a lot of us are going through life and that we're not totally present to our life and we're not really awake and we're not really questioning the conditioning that, that was programmed into us from a young age. And so, yeah, I think the things I keep doing, I just want to make people really think for themselves and reevaluate whether they really believe the things that they're, they're living and, and, you know, be awake in their own lives and be conscious in their own lives. Would you ever like be interested in making like a movie, like just like a total flip? Like, so like, you know, like, Cause like, I feel like men, we get away with a lot of things. So if you mm-hmm. put like woman and like men, like, shoes, like the parent trap or yeah. not the parent trap, like um Freaky Friday, like Freaky Friday. Yeah, like you just, you know, I say you just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, well, I, yeah. I mean, if you're that's you actually that's a really good point because that is kind of what I'm after with this thing I'm writing, which is like, what if men knew through lived experience what it was like to be a woman? You know, like what if they, you know, what if they actually knew what it felt like? Everybody would be, I mean, if we walked a mile in, in everyone's shoes, we would be a lot kinder to everyone and, and a lot more compassionate. And I think that's what we need more of in this world. Like it's, it's a lot of challenges. We need to be really kind to one another. So you're onto something there. No, I feel like it would be way eye opening because like you could be like, oh, this actually, if this actually happened to me, I would feel like a way about, you know what I'm saying? Totally. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Perspective. Yeah. But um, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. You know. <laughs> it was really nice to see you. Nice and... talking to you. I hope you come back for season four. <laughs> yeah, me too. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too.